Oh, that's weird. It's another good week to be a Chiefs fan. Let's talk some Chiefs, guys. Welcome to the Chief of the North podcast. I am your host, Minnesota Chiefs fan, or Seth Kaiser if you want to use my real name. And, well, 5-0, and the only undefeated team in the NFL yet again. Another opponent coming off a big win last week. Dismantled. Well, maybe the Redskins weren't exactly dismantled, but the Texans sure were. Yet again, uh, for the third time this season, the Chiefs had an opportunity to be on national television and show what they could do, and they answered the call. It was a great win against Houston. Um, you know, injury concerns overshadow things a little bit. Chris Conley and that uh, clearly ruptured Achilles, um, torn Achilles, however you phrase it, it's pretty clear what happened there. That tends to overshadow some things. Travis Kelsey with a concussion. Sounds like he was in good spirits after the game. I'm not too worried about that. We're going to talk about what they can do without Conley a little bit later. He's 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 a good player. He's developed, and it's unfortunate. However, this is going to be a happy podcast because, you know what, I have full faith that Chris Conley will come back. He'll be just as good as he ever was. And uh, in the meantime, he'll watch a lot of Star Wars, I'm assuming. So we'll call that a win-win for him. Um, but right now... I want to focus on Chiefs versus Texans. Again, 5-0, and another opponent defeated on primetime. And honestly, this, this game, you know, and you all know this from watching the game, it ended up, you know, 42-34. to wasn't remotely as close as the score indicated. Uh, the Texans scored two touchdowns in the last two minutes after the refs had swallowed the whistles, and the teams were in full-blown, this-is-garbage-time mode. That was a three-score game, easily. Um... The Chiefs really took it to them. They did a great job throughout the night. They got a lead early. They Deshaun Watson couldn't figure out Bob Sutton's defense. Alex Smith and the offense were marching. Uh, it just throughout the game after probably the first quarter and a half, because you don't want to base too much on just the first quarter when you look at what the Redskins did to the Chiefs last week. Um, but after about the first quarter and a half, seriously, you could see which team was the better team. Particularly, you know, everyone wants to talk about the J.J. Watt injury. For me, it was when Merciless went out. He has been the guy, even more so than Watt, that has really tormented the Chiefs when they've played because he's a terrific edge rusher. And their defense is predicated on getting pressure with him and Watt. And when you don't have that pressure off the edge, it's just an entirely different game and Alex Smith picked them apart all game even though they did a good job on Kareem Hunt Alex made play after play after play I actually have an article that just came up on Arrowhead Pride regarding how Alex Smith is and should be the MVP front runner which we'll get to in a second just a few more thoughts with on the game itself you know the Chiefs so far this year have played multiple teams that are considered quote-unquote contenders um, whether it's playoff contenders or Super Bowl contenders, and they've beaten them all. I don't know if anyone's played as difficult a schedule as the Chiefs. Um, I, I would assume that there's some team that's up there right there with them, but let me tell you, that team's not 5-0. and The Chiefs have had one easy opponent this year, and that was a divisional opponent, the Chargers. And divisional opponents, as we all know, are weird. That is, It's the great equalizer. The Chiefs, they've played four tough teams, come away 4-0 in those games, come away with Alex playing very well in all four of those games. Seriously, I say it every week, but it's been true every week. It is a great week to be a Chiefs fan. 
So speaking of Alex Smith, or as I like to call him, 2017 frontrunner for MVP Alex Smith, most valuable player in the league. No, I'm not stuttering. Yes, I absolutely mean it. I've got an article up on Arrowhead Pride explaining it, but here's what I'll say. Um, kind of maybe a preview to that article if you haven't read it already. If you were to criticize Alex Smith after last season, if you were to say what his weaknesses were, you would say that he doesn't throw the ball down the field enough or with enough accuracy would maybe be a more complete criticism. He doesn't test tight windows and he doesn't have good pocket presence. He drops his eyes to scramble. Every one of those issues has been addressed this season. He's throwing the ball more accurately down the field. He's keeping his eyes up when he scrambles. He just devastated Houston with that multiple times, including on the touchdown to Charkandrick West. He's no longer looking just to run. He's looking to 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 almost set up the defense by looking like he's going to run, and then he takes advantage of the defense swarming because they have to, because Alex is a dangerous athlete, to find guys down the field. He did it a couple times on the first drive. He did it multiple times throughout the game. As soon as Alex, honestly, as soon as Alex found, I think it was Demarcus Robinson, on the sideline on that first third and long of the game, I thought to myself, you know what? Chiefs are probably going to win this because when Alex Smith plays like that, the Chiefs are very, very, very tough to beat. And he's been playing like that the majority of the year. He has addressed his biggest weaknesses. He's playing great football right now. He is one of the most important players. Um, I would call him the most important player so far on the best team in the NFL. Yes, Kareem Hunt has been wildly important, but that's two games now where Hunt didn't really get going to the end, the Eagles and the Redskins, and Alex Smith was a big part of the difference in those games. So, really, you have a... To me, the MVP race right now, when you consider where the teams are and that kind of stuff, you've got you've got a 1-1A one and one a in Alex Smith and Kareem Hunt. Any other choices are just ridiculous, to be honest. Um, I just think it's so great... Seen Alex succeed, seen Alex play as well as he has. I said before the season, you know, even while I was talking about, you know, I think Patrick Mahomes is a good player. I think he'd come in and do well. And I still think that. I think Mahomes could come in. I think he would still do very well. I think he's that talented and I think he's that sharp. However, Alex Smith is playing unbelievably well. And I said, even while I was talking about Mahomes, I said, man, it would just be great to see Alex have the best season of his career and just go out with a bang with the Chiefs. Just go out with an MVP caliber season. Season, win the Super Bowl if they decide to move on the next year. I know that would be, I mean, what do you do at that point? When Alex plays this well, I have no idea. I have no idea what they do because there's still the money issues and blah, blah, blah. I'm not even going to think about that. I'm going to enjoy 2017 for its own sake because let me tell you, it would be great for me, someone who has spent years arguing that Alex Smith is actually a decent quarterback as many, many, many Chiefs fans started to turn on him and all that fun stuff. It would be great to be able to see him go down as a guy that's loved in franchise history. Because he really did help solidify the position when we needed it. He helped provide solid play. He really helped with a big turnaround. Um, And I don't think he's always gotten credit for that. And he should. And going out with a bang, man... That would just be, whether it's you know this year, next year, the year after, I'm on the record for what my position is on that, but I'm not even going to talk about that here because I just want to think about 2017 right now. I would just love to see Alex lead the team to a Super Bowl. I think it would be great. He's a good guy by all accounts. He's a guy who's done a lot for the team. Uh, that would be so much fun. You know, on a real quick note, there's been a lot of talk about Deshaun Watson after the game since we're talking about quarterbacks. I'm going to shoot straight with you. I like Watson a lot as a prospect. He was my 1A quarterback. I would have been fine if they took him when they traded up. They took Patrick Mahomes, who was my number one quarterback, but I like Deshaun Watson a lot. That said, 
the, the, the national media narrative has made it more clear than ever that people really don't care about film. They don't really care about what happens on the field. They care about statistics. Because And look, Watson made some real good plays. He did. He made some. But you got to understand, three and a half quarters into the game, he had completed 50% of his passes for like a buck 80 in yardage. He'd th- he threw at least four potential picks that got dropped by defenders. Um it just this was one of those games where he he throws a couple hail marys at the end where his receivers make great catches and now all of a sudden well he's the truth he's the next big thing well he he threw five touchdowns and two of them were absolutely when the game was completely utterly totally beyond reach the chiefs had a three score lead it was over absolutely over but yet, I get to hear today all about Deshaun Watson, when really the conversation should be about the fact that Alex Smith is the MVP frontrunner. Kareem Hunt had another good game, and he had more of an impact on the actual competition than Deshaun Watson. I did not stutter there. Kareem Hunt had more of an actual impact on the game than Deshaun Watson did. Because again, garbage time stats, they don't matter. Yet unfortunately, what we're going to hear here in in the coming week is how Kareem Hunt has been overtaken in the Offensive Rookie of the Year race. It's unfortunate. I'm happy for Deshaun Watson, but it's unfortunate for Kareem Hunt, who has played better and has had more of an impact. But that said, what are you going to do? I think none of you who listen to this are surprised at the idea that uh, narratives overcome what the film actually shows. So we'll see what happens, you know, in the future. I I really hope Kareem Hunt continues to get the credit that he deserves. But, you know, it's just a little side tangent for me. Every now and then it just drives me crazy how people view this game. It really is a fantasy football world, my friends. Um, Moving to the other side of the ball with defense concerns, I've had a lot of people ask me about the run defense. Um, I'm going to be looking at that this week. I'm going to be looking at the film to see what's going on because the run defense, here's one thing I know. They run a lot of two down linemen sets where they only have two big linemen on the field and then a couple of outside linebackers and then extra safeties, etc. And the Chiefs almost encourage teams to run the ball on them. It's been like this for a few years. We freak out about the run defense, but at the end of the day, they just don't give up that many points. Um, the problem is in a game like, say, like the, the playoff game against the Steelers, you feel like it really costs you something. Um, I don't really like how the run defense has looked. I don't like the number of missed tackles that I've seen. I think Eric Berry's absence is starting to be more and more felt because he's a guy who cleans up a lot of mistakes. And when you're missing a first-team all-pro safety like him, who is, I would say, probably the best run defender at his position in the NFL, you're going to miss that guy. And it, he just he covered up for mistakes. He, he ha- was good for at least two or three big stops a game and then was usually good for another four or five, you know, what would be a 10-yard gain, he tackles him for a 5-yard gain. People underestimate the value of that, and now they're seeing the value of that now that it's gone. You know, you, you don't know what you got till it's gone kind of thing. And I, I just, I wish the stuff that Eric Berry does could be more appreciated by people before he's out, but it is what it is. And what we're seeing now is a result of not having a guy who is kind of the ultimate cleanup guy. So... You know, I am worried about the run defense. Um, and when I review the film, I'm going to take a look at it, and I'm also going to take a look at Derek Johnson. You know, people have been saying for years, oh, DJ's slowing down, DJ's slowing down, and I haven't seen it on film. He's looked just as good as ever. I haven't watched DJ specifically this year, and my reason for that is because this year, 
for the first time, I'm starting to feel like maybe he is slowing down. Maybe he's a step slower because he's getting there and forcing running backs to adjust, forcing them to move, but I'm seeing him miss a few more tackles. I'm seeing him make a few less of those submarine into the backfield plays. I still think he he's a good player. And again, I need to review the film on this because I hope I'm wrong. But if what I think I'm seeing is accurate, he may no longer be a great player. And that would be tough because DJ is just just one of my all-time favorites. I just love the way that guy plays. And so that'll be something to keep an eye on. There's a possibility. I've seen some some issues with guys staying in their rushing lanes. It could be as simple as that, and DJ hasn't been able to cover because he's got his own assignment to worry about. But I'm a little concerned what the tape's going to show me. So that'll be an article later this week on Arrowhead Pride. I'm going to review the all-22 of the Texans' successful runs and their failed runs. Just kind of see what's different, you know, what players are showing up and what players aren't. Um... We're going to take a quick break a little earlier in the show than normal because i got a long segment coming up, and I need to take a drink. Um, when we come back, I want to talk about Marcus Peters because this is kind of becoming an elephant in the room thing. Not any political junk, but what's happening during games. I also want to talk about Terrence Mitchell and the secondary in general and uh, why I find the Houston Texans annoying. So when we get back, we're going to talk about all of that. All right, let's talk about Marcus Peters. You know, I like Marcus Peters. I do. I uh, I think he's a good player. Um, he's really improved his coverage since his rookie year, his, his snap-by-snap coverage. He's a playmaker. He forces defenses to avoid him for the most part. Um, he's incredibly dangerous. He, he's, he's a guy that, that, that changes games. There's no doubt about any of this. There's also no doubt in my mind that right now, Peters is just all up in his own head. Um, I'm sure he would say he's not, but this is the second week in a row that you've got him having a meltdown mid-game, this time screaming at Terrence Mitchell. Um, I believe it was Terrence Mitchell, at least, on the sideline. And I guess, you know, when you've given up three touchdowns in two games, you've, got, you've lost your right to scream at another player for a blown play. That's kind of where I land on things. You know, everyone gives up bad plays every now and then. It happens. It absolutely happens. But sitting there and he trying to embarrass your teammate on the sidelines like that, when you yourself have been getting torched a few times, that that to me is not okay. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know what the fan said to Peters last week that got Peters yelling at him and stuff. I'm sure it was something really stupid, and I wish fans didn't do that. And I think fans that do that should get kicked out of the game. However, you're an NFL player. It's kind of like, you know, the Travis Kelsey thing. You know, Kelsey did a good job before he was out of the game. The Texans were clearly trying to provoke him and shove him a little bit into, you know, doing extracurricular stuff to try to get into his head. And he didn't let him. He just, he kept, he kept playing. You know, in those situations, the players that are provoking Kelsey are wrong. But if Kelsey reacts and gets a penalty, he's wrong too. Because you've got to understand who you are, where you are, and what you're doing. And I feel like Peters, in flipping out on a fan, that's what he's forgetting. 
Look, yeah, is that fan an idiot? Sure. Okay, well, don't respond in kind. There's no need to sit there and shout at him. No one's going to win that. It's like getting into a fight on Twitter or a fight on Facebook. It's absolutely 100% pointless. That fan was probably drunk. So, I mean, what what are you going to do? Are you going to chastise him? It's not going to happen. And so, just play. And the same thing with this screaming at, uh, at, at either Mitchell, and some people thought it was Bob Sutton. I'm pretty sure it was Terrence Mitchell. Look, Terrence Mitchell played better than Marcus Peters last night. Yeah, he gave up the long touchdown to Fuller, but he was in great coverage there, and that was just a good throw and catch. What are you going to do? Whereas Peters, on the touchdown he gave up, he, I mean, he was gone. Arguably, he gave up two touchdowns. Um, and, I mean, on both of them, he was five or six steps behind. Now, maybe he was just looking to ball hawk, that kind of thing. But at the same time, you you lose your right to freak out on other players, which you should never do in the first place. That is not something that should be done. But you lose whatever grace I might give you when you're playing not well. Terrence Mitchell was absolutely better than Marcus Peters last night. And it wasn't particularly close, in my opinion. And so Marcus Peters screaming at Mitchell is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And he's he's got to figure out what, what's going on. I don't, uh, I don't know where he's at, but for whatever reason, he just seems in his own head. And before anyone says anything, well, not that you can reply to a podcast, but, you know, I know I don't think it has anything to do with protests. I don't think it has anything to do with the flag. I don't think it has anything to do with any of that. I just think Peters is in a bit of a slump right now. Um, I thought last week that he'd bust out of it this week because normally he's had a short memory. But he just seems to be frustrated. And so he's pressing. And part of that, you know, for example, he keeps he kept grabbing the ball and trying to rip it loose instead of tackling last night. You know, yes, there was the Carolina game where that was the right move when you consider the context and the situation. And if it's if he makes a great play, he makes a great play. But it's a, there's a difference between with a minute left trying to rip it out of a wide receiver's hands when you are in the deep in the other team's territory versus trying to rip it out of a running back's hands who's clearly ready for it and who's currently bowling you over for an extra 15 yards. Um it happened a few times where Peters, rather than going for a tackle, and he's a good tackler when he tries, he would just go for the ball. And I get it. He's trying to make a play. But at this point, it seems like he is pressing. It seems like he's trying too hard to make a big play. And I think that's one reason why he's been out of position on some plays as well. He's pressing, trying to make a big play. When he needs to get back to doing the the snap-by-snap, snap, the, the regular in-and-out regular Joe stuff of being a corner. And I think when he stops pressing, I think he's going to be just fine. But that said, until then, he has got to figure out a way to calm down a little bit because it's just ridiculous that Justin Houston is having to continually tell him to calm down. I mean, this it's not something that should be happening. Now, is it because Barry's out? I have no idea. But Marcus Peters is a talented, sharp guy. I mean, you can hear him talk. I think he's, I think he's a sharp guy, personally. Um... But at a certain point, you know, you're not 20 anymore. It's time to grow up a little bit and calm down. Especially, again, what really gets me, and we're going to talk about Terrence Mitchell Morneman here. Seriously, the shouting on the sidelines when you yourself are not having a good game. I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. I mean, and you should feel silly doing that. You should be embarrassed to act like that as though you're somehow, oh, I can't believe you made that play. And it's like, hey, hold up a mirror there, brother. And that's I, that's where I land on that. I like Marcus Peters a lot. I think he'll figure it out and bounce back. But right now, 
I think he's frustrated. I think he's pressing. And until he stops doing that, I think there could be some trouble here. And I'm worried about what's going to happen with Antonio Brown with Peters kind of in the mindset that he seems to be right now. Speaking of Terrence Mitchell, um, I don't know what to say about him at this point. Yeah, he had a he had a rough play, gave up a touchdown where, I mean, he was in good coverage. I mean, there were a lot of jump ball plays that were just, you know, plays that happened one out of ten times against the Texans. But overall, Mitchell made some really good plays on the ball. He did some really good stuff. Uh, he, 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 he tackled well. He was a big part of really helping confound Watson for three and a half quarters. And it was a lot of fun to watch. And so I just, I, I'm, it's making me very happy seeing Terrence Mitchell do the things that he's been doing and play as well as he's been playing. He continues to contest the ball well. He continues to be pretty sticky in coverage. He is just a good cornerback, and that's been a huge development for the defense this year. I absolutely love it. Um, we saw potential in him last year. A lot of people were concerned going into this year, especially when Nelson got hurt and Mitchell had to take on a bigger role, but he has stepped up big time. I would say he was the best corner we had in the game by far against the Texans. And so it's been really great watching him develop. I can't wait to continue to see how he keeps developing because he's he's talented. He's very, very quick. He's very, very physical. He got into Hopkins' head. Now, to be fair, Hopkins, because he's Hopkins, he still pulled down some touchdowns later on. But you know what? It was too late. Too little, too late. When the game was when the game mattered, he was just crawling inside of Hopkins' head. And it was great. It was fun to watch. Hopkins was getting real upset, being overly physical, doing all the stuff that he likes to do in corners start to bother him. And it wasn't working. Mitchell just would not give any ground. And I love to see that kind of competition and fire. The secondary as a whole, I've I've heard a lot of people ask if there are uh, issues with the secondary. Um I'm not particularly concerned. I think the secondaries overall played real well. If you look at the quarterback stats the Chiefs have given up up until the Texans game, I, I can't remember. It was something like, you know, the quarterbacks they'd played, they gave up like four touchdowns and four interceptions. And then when they those same quarterbacks played other teams, it was like 25 touchdowns. The Chiefs have been very good against quarterbacks this year. This game was a weird game where the secondary was asked to do some weird things, especially near the end. Blowouts are always strange. Let's never, ever, ever forget that Matt Castle put up 400-some yards, or was it 300-some yards and five touchdowns against the Broncos in a blowout loss. That, it's just not impressive. It's just not. And I like Deshaun Watson. Again, I like him as a prospect. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. But, you know, these Hail Marys... That's not sustainable, and that's not something the defense often gives up. I think they did miss Barry in those situations, but, I mean, these this just, you know, chuck the ball up and hope someone catches it, that's Johnny Manziel stuff. It really is, and I don't think the secondary is particularly susceptible to that, nor are they going to see much more of it because it was an odd situation. Additionally, on two of those deep ball throws, one that landed down at the one-yard line and one that was a touchdown, there was an absolutely... Um, completely blatant hold on the right tackle. The refs had swallowed the whistles at this point because there were three minutes left in the game and the Chiefs were up 19. And so they were swallowing the whistles. And so the, the secondary was also placed in a weird position in that they were being forced to defend a lot longer than they really should have been. So I'm not too worried about the secondary, to be honest. It was kind of an extenuating circumstances kind of game. Nor am I worried about Bob Sutton. People are, oh, I can't believe Bob Sutton gave up five touchdowns. That was an execution thing. 
not a defensive play call thing. Now, maybe what Sutton's going to do next time in a blowout is be a little more aggressive and start getting after the quarterback a little more because, you know, they just don't want to give up all these garbage time points. But I'm not worried about the secondary, and I'm really not worried about uh, about Bob Sutton either. I just think that was a unique, weird game. And speak the unique, weird game. This is where I want to talk about. I'm annoyed by the Houston Texans, and after I take a swig of my drink here, I'm going to explain why. The Texans, may, I, I mean, it's not their fault, I'm sure. You know, Jeff Allen's on the Texans, and I love Jeff Allen. I like Deshaun Watson. Um, but, you know, that was an annoying game. I, 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 for a game in which they really blew out a tough opponent, I walked away from that game annoyed. You know, this whole trying to, you know, get those touchdowns and their crowd cheering, you know, when they managed to get themselves to within down eight, you know, going for two when there's no time left and the game is just over. These things are ridiculous. And now today I get to hear all about, you know, the Texans offense as though, you know, that last touchdown mattered at all, as though the touchdown before that mattered at all. They didn't. They didn't matter. And I think what's really annoying me isn't so much the Texans as what football narratives get pushed. And it just drives me crazy. I, I don't know why, but it drives me crazy seeing bad football takes propagated everywhere. And so when the story really should be, hey, the Chiefs are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. The Chiefs have played an incredibly tough schedule and they're 5-0. and The Chiefs have been rolling. The Chiefs have done this, that. The Chiefs really throttled Watson for three and a half quarters. Seriously, rewatch the film. Look at the film of the first three and a half quarters. Watson could not do anything. He had maybe one good drive that entire time. He was just befuddled by the coverages. He threw multiple plays where underneath defenders almost picked it off. Had had Alex played like that through three and a half quarters, I would have been just shouting to the rooftops that he wasn't playing well. But he's going to get a pass because of a bunch of garbage time touchdowns. And the Houston Texans are going to get a pass because of a bunch of garbage time touchdowns. Oh, and they're also going to get a pass because, oh, well, you know, they lost players to injury. Well, here's what I would say in response to that. Mitch Morse, LDT, Eric Berry, D. Ford, Tamahali, Steven Nelson. These are all guys who were injured. Travis Kelsey didn't play the entire second half. Wow, what a coincidence. The offense slowed down a bit in the second half. I mean, Travis Kelsey is the most, well, maybe not, <laughs> maybe not when compared to Alex this season. He's one of the most important players on the offense. And when he goes out, it changes what they're doing. And he was torching the Texans. I mean, he was on his way to at least a 150-yard game, and everyone knew it, and they could not stop him. And then he took a cheap shot uh, by a defender leading with his helmet, which, yes, it was a cheap shot. He led, you know, people would say, well, he led with his shoulder. He made helmet-to-helmet contact. This isn't hard. He lowered his head, and he hit his helmet. He hit Kelsey's helmet with his own. This isn't hard. But anyway, so the Chiefs were missing over a third of their starters for half that game. And some of those starters are wildly important ones, like Eric Berry who is every bit as important to the Chiefs' defense as J.J. Watt is to the Texans. Absolutely. Um, Missing Mitch Morse and LDT. LDT has been their best offensive lineman this year. Mitch Morse has been their second-best offensive lineman. Obviously, missing Travis Kelsey is huge. Missing Steven Nelson. Oh, a guy that's really good at contesting the ball. I wonder if that would have helped in some of these jump ball situations. I mean... You know, D. Ford, not great against the run. Good pass rusher. Would have helped down the stretch here. Tom Bahali would have helped down the stretch. 
they're missing all these guys, but all I can hear about is two guys that the Texans were missing. Basically, what happened was both teams had pretty big injury issues, and the Chiefs throttled the Texans. That is what happened. That is the narrative. And because of that, I view the Chiefs as Super Bowl contenders. And we've talked about that. The ceiling for this team is absolutely a Super Bowl, especially with the way Alex is playing. And, you know, uh, a few people have talked about this. Uh, Therese and Sam at the KC Star have talked about this a little bit. They are as balanced a team as you get in the NFL. They are. They can win in a variety of ways. They can grind it out with Kareem Hunt. They can throw the ball down the field. They can test the intermediate zones. They can do all kinds of wacky trickeration on offense. On defense, they might they give up yards against the run, but they really tighten up in short yardage situations. Seriously, I'm very confident in third and one situations for the Chiefs against the run because when they really get the big boys in there, they do well. They're they, they, they they're dangerous with regards to turnovers. They are capable of getting after the quarterback. They are capable of befuddling the quarterback with some unique defensive looks. They can do all kinds of things differently. They can play all kinds of offense as well. They're just a tough team overall. They've beaten five very different types of opponents, and that's because they can really vary up how they play. And so I just think that Man, I just wish the narrative this week, and I hope the narrative this week, is the Chiefs are the best team in football, full stop, because they deserve it. They have earned that right. And so I've got a few mailbag questions that I want to take on. I think what we're going to do is we're going to take one more break, and then we're going to get to the mailbag questions, and then we're going to preview the Steelers game, which has me just a little bit nervous. But we'll talk about that right after this. All right, so let's talk about mailbag questions. I asked you guys to give me some. I got a bunch. I'm sorry, I don't have time to take them all on, so I'm only taking three, but I appreciate your mailbag questions. They really help. So the first is from uh, from <laughs> Gogeta, at TwanV15. I hope I didn't just say something dirty or something I don't know about. TwanVL5? Anyway, um, so he says... <clears throat> I have a question statement. He didn't cough in his tweet. That was just me because I don't have production value. I have a question slash statement. Can we not see JH as in Justin Houston in coverage anymore, please? Well, that's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Here's the thing. I don't like Justin Houston being in coverage as much as he is. However, his ability to be in coverage is a big part of what Bob Sutton's been doing on defense. He uh, His versatility and his ability to drop into coverage and do well allows for the confusion you're seeing from quarterbacks the Chiefs are facing. That's why quarterbacks are barely completing over 50% of the passes against the Chiefs. They can't find open spots because Houston is talented and can go back into zone coverage or in man coverage and do well. And that's a rare skill for an outside linebacker. And so when you can do that, you can vary who's going to rush and where they're going to come from. And when you do that, you keep quarterbacks guessing. Really, you know, what did John Matt, you know, 90% of the game is half mental or whatever. That's the Little Giants quote. The uh, the important thing with a quarterback is to keep them guessing or just pressure the daylights out of them. Bob Sutton's going more with the guessing approach. And yes, I wish we rushed Justin Houston more, but he is a huge part of keeping quarterbacks guessing. And keeping quarterbacks guessing is why, one of the reasons the Chiefs are 5-0 and and why they've made some good quarterbacks look pretty foolish for the majority of games. Um, 
hopefully they start to unleash him more and more because, yes, he changes games when he's rushing the passer. He's just so difficult to block. But his versatility is what makes him one of the best players in the NFL because he's not just a one-trick pony. He's not just able to rush the passer. He's also just gifted against the run. That's why you just hardly ever see teams run around his edge. He just doesn't let them. It's awesome to see. He's great against passes in the flat to his side. He is just an overall unbelievable player, and they use all of that versatility as a big part of their defensive scheming. When I watch how the Chiefs play, the way I've always viewed it is they really have formulated their defense around the skills of Eric Berry and Justin Houston. Now, unfortunately, Berry's gone for the season, which, again, I really think the ceiling of this defense got very much lowered when he went out, as well as I think Eric Murray might be playing. He's just not Eric Berry, um, as similar as their names might be. But they formulated that around around Barry and Houston's skill set. And so part of what they do, it it is reliant on Houston going into coverage sometimes because teams need to see that on film and know they have to prepare for it. And it's just one more thing to think about. And he's good at it. And so you are going to keep seeing him in coverage. It's just going to happen. Um, what I would prefer would be seeing a little less of it. But I think until D. Ford comes back, I do think you're going to see it because Zombo isn't as capable in coverage as Ford or Houston. So hopefully D. Ford gets well soon. Uh, next question is from Nate James. He asks, who steps up at wide receiver after the loss of Conley? You know, Conley's a tough loss. Um, he's made some plays in every game. He's kind of that steady, reliable, traditional wide receiver while the Chiefs have a bunch of of guys running around doing crazy things on the other side. And he's been a good safety valve. He's consistent. He's got good hands. He runs good routes. He's big and strong. He just does a lot of things well, and he's there when called upon. Um, That's going to be a tough loss. I really, you know, I I think what, what we've seen over the last few weeks, we've seen Demarcus Robinson get a little more playing time. We saw in preseason that Robinson could maybe make a few plays here and there. He can just belt well to the ball. He can be a deep threat. He looks pretty fast out there. He's not as big and strong as Conley, but he looks like he can do a few things. He looks like he understands where to go, you know, to get open. And, you know, even on the very first drive, he, he caught a pass from Alex. So I, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Me, personally, what I would do, I've heard some people talk about Albert Wilson being moved to the number two receiver role. I hate that idea. Albert Wilson is having the best season of his career and has been helping the offense a ton in large part because they're not asking him to do things he's not good at. Um, Unless Wilson is radically changed, he is not a great route runner. He's just not. He is not good at tracking the ball for intermediate and deep routes. He He had a good catch against Alex where he honestly almost overran the ball against the Redskins. That's why it hit him in the helmet. That was a ball tracking issue. The Chiefs have really found a way to harness his skill set because he's got he's he's a tough player, blocks very well, really good after the catch, very quick, and he's got a good burst. And so they they're they're giving him the types of routes that he can deal with, the types of routes that he can handle. They're also using him occasionally as a threat out of the backfield or you know from from H back and that kind of stuff. That's his skill set, and you want to keep him in that, and that's part of the reason he's doing so well is because he's stayed in that skill set. I don't like the idea of asking him to do more again. The last time they asked him to do more, it went horribly. So maybe he's really improved. It could have happened, but I don't like the idea. I'm not comfortable with it. Um, so it's either him or Robinson, as far as I can tell. The other guys people are hoping to see, you know, Chesson, and that. there's just nothing there to make me think that it's going to go particularly well. Maybe there is. 
Things happen that surprise me all the time in football. But I'm uncomfortable. When I'm uncomfortable, I tend to look to outside talent to say, okay, is there anyone available who would be a good fit who could be had on the cheap? And what I would do, and I tweeted this last night, if I were Brett Veach, I would put in a call to the Dolphins about uh, Jarvis Landry. Now, some people might not be crazy about that idea, and that's okay. I guess for me, there were rumors that Landry was on the trading block in the offseason because I believe he's in the final year of his contract. Um, Maybe second to last year. Anyway, you know, Landry is an interesting player. Um, The Dolphins are kind of struggling because they don't seem sure whether or not he is... A, a wide receiver worth paying big money to, and he might cost big money because of the volume of his catches. He makes a lot of short catches, right? Well, I just I think he is his particular skill set is perfect for the Chiefs' offense in what you they ask their receivers to do a lot of the time. Is he a deep threat like Conley? No, he's not. However, he is an exceptional after the catch player. He runs good routes, at least in those areas, and he's got very reliable hands. I think he would be a great complement to what they do with Tyreek Hill and what they do with Travis Kelsey. Uh, it also seems that they could very likely have him on the cheap, depending on, you know, I don't know where the Dolphins are really at. You know, they're 2-2 two and two right now, but let's be honest, neither of their wins was particularly impressive. Barely beating a Tennessee team. Without Mariota, the week after you got blanked by the Saints, and just before that, the Jets killed you. It seems as though if they were willing to offer him and trade back in the offseason, it means he's not in their long-term plans. And now that they see that this year they're not really competing for a playoff spot. They're not. Um, Yeah, the Patriots have looked vulnerable, but let's be real. The Dolphins aren't competing for the playoffs, barring some massive change. And so you may well be able to get him on a decent decent cheap deal now they've already made some trades with draft picks and stuff and i get that but i think the chiefs are a super bowl contender i think they can win this year and i think landry's particular skill set is a really good fit for what they do and i think he would really help the offense out especially with conley out you know stuff like this depth issues is why i would have loved to keep macklin i get the cost issue and why they didn't keep him but what are you going to do that ship has sailed so if i'm if i'm brett veach i'm at least kicking the tires and seeing what they're looking for from him i mean for all we know they're looking for you know a future fifth or something like that and landry's a good player but they don't have any leverage right now because their season is not looking good and it's a guy they know they're going to let walk anyway so they might well just try to get something for him um the final question that I got, and it kind of tailors into the uh, the Justin Houston question, is from John Plazic. Uh, sorry if I butchered your name there, brother. When will Bob Sutton receive any credit for what he's doing and has been doing low-key best staff in football? I agree. Bob Sutton isn't perfect, but he deserves a lot of credit for what he's doing. Um, like I mentioned, quarterbacks have been completing you know, barely 50% of their passes against his defense. He's rolled out a whole different looking defense this year than what we were expecting to see. And he's befuddling teams with it. And we're actually, I've, I've seen watching other teams, I'm seeing a few more teams start to copy what he's been doing in consistently rushing three and dropping eight. And when you see teams starting to copy what you're doing, that means you're doing a good job. And again, Sutton's not perfect, but he's made some pretty solid in-game adjustments. The issues that I've seen the Chiefs having are largely execution 
on defense, you know, giving up, you know, Hail Marys and that, you know, or a blown coverage, that kind of stuff. That's not on the defensive coordinator. When there's certain execution issues on big plays, that's just not on him. Um, I think he's doing a fantastic job. I really do. Um, and do could there be improvement? Sure, because they've got good personnel, and you'd like to see them be dominant on defense. But considering the players that they've lost, I think he's done a terrific job and deserves a lot of credit. All right, one more thing before I'll let you go for the day. We're going to sit here and I want to chat about Pittsburgh. I'm really nervous about this game. Really, really, really nervous. And, yeah, I just I don't even know what to say. And, yes, I know people can say, oh, man, they just got worked over by the Jaguars. Well, you know, don't look now, but the Jaguars have worked over a few teams this year. And they've got a very, very good defense, like really good. Their corners are playing as well as any corner group in the NFL right now. They've got a good pass rush, too. The Jaguars are no patsy. They've got a great defense. And so the fact that the Steelers look lost against them does not guarantee to me that they will look lost against the Chiefs. And here's my big fear. I feel like I've seen this play before. Because last year, when the Steelers were set to play the Chiefs, right after coming off an embarrassing blowout loss, and that, remember, last year, before they played the Chiefs, they lost 34-3 to the Eagles. They got destroyed and people were wondering what would happen. Now, granted, they didn't have Bell yet, and they got him back the next game. But people were legitimately thinking that the Steelers were maybe done. And then they just went to... <laughs> they played the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football, and they beat them 43-14 to in one of the worst games the Chiefs have played in years. Now, granted, a lot of that was the Chiefs making unforced errors and doing a lot of dumb stuff we haven't seen this year. But it still makes me nervous. The Steelers are still a dangerous team, and before you go saying, you know, well, they just they got they got smoked by the Jaguars. I'm not worried about them. They were a week removed from beating a tough Baltimore defense, 26 to nine. Yes, they've lost to the Bears this year. That's embarrassing, but they beat a tough Minnesota team, 26 to nine, which, huh, same score. They really like that, and so they're not a bad team. They're a very talented team, and their offense has some particular playmakers that could give the Chiefs defense a really hard time. So I'm worried about that game. I'm worried about the adjustments that, that that they might make between now and then. And I'm just worried about the fact that you've got an angry, embarrassed Steelers team coming to town, seeing, a, seeing an opportunity to change their narrative about their whole season. Because make no mistake, the Chiefs are, by and large, considered the best team in the NFL right now. And this is a chance for them to make a statement on the road against the best team in the NFL. And this is a this is a proud team. Now, have a lot of people saying that maybe Big Ben is a different quarterback. Hey, I was starting to think that last year during the playoff game. He just didn't look like himself. And he's definitely a different quarterback on the road than at home. But it's just worth considering what the risk is here. Because, I, again, the Steelers just made me nervous. And maybe that's just because they had the Chiefs number last year. I don't know. But this is just, they've got a good defense. And the Chiefs, they still have a ton of injury issues. I'll feel a lot better if Morse or LDT um, or Kelsey or Ford, some of those guys at least, are able to come back and play. I'm worried about how the, our defense matches up against their offensive weapons. A lot's going to hinge on whether or not Big Ben really is down a notch from what he's been. And a lot of it's going to depend on Alex Smith continuing to play at the MVP level he's been playing at. If he does, Chiefs win. No doubt in my mind. 
But it's still a game that makes me nervous, and don't count out the Steelers just because they just got beat by what is looking like a pretty good Jacksonville team. So, with all that, I think we've covered more than enough ground. I just really appreciate you guys listening. Please don't forget to subscribe, you know, whatever method you use to listen. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to rate and review. It really does make a difference. I know it's crazy. I mean, only if you're going to say nice things. If you're going to say mean things, it'll make me sad. And if I get sad, my kids will get sad. And do you really want to make children sad? I think that's a legitimate question. Anyway, this has been the Chief of the North. I appreciate you guys listening. And we will speak again soon. <laughs>